0: Uh, yeah, Trevor joked about a 10-minute sermon today because, in fact, I am hungry, but but I got a little bit more than 10 minutes for you today, as usual, and, uh, and it's because we're here today to feast. We're here today to feast on some barbecue and a feast on the Word, am I right? Yeah! You hungry for both? Well, let's do it. Let's feast on the Word of the Lord together today, the 121st Psalm is our text for today. I'm uh, reading out of the Pew Bible. It's on page 543. If you want to follow along, you can pull out the Bible right in front of you. Page 543 or Psalm 121 in your own Bible. We are in the CSB translation. If you go up to the upstate of South Carolina and you go on up... Past Wahala, if you're touring around looking at different state parks, at some point you'll come to one of them that has a big tunnel in the side of a mountain. It's the Stump House Tunnel. Are you familiar with this one? And you're going to go up and there's a train tunnel. They never finished digging, but they went through some solid rock for years, these early immigrants, uh, as they came through to try and build a train track through there. And they dug, and they dug, and they picked through the rock, and you can go, and you can go into the tunnel. And as soon as you see it, this massive tunnel out of the rock, you got to be thinking to yourself, man, this is a good bunker to survive anything. We could hide out in here for a while. This would be a good place to be protected. And as I went to this tunnel and took my children in, we'd go in and say, this, this is a strong cave. This is, this is good for protection but you don't go in more than 10 or 20 feet before it starts to get a little dark and scary, and you start to wonder, maybe the things in here are what we need to be protected from, and we're going back out there. Which is it? Is this a place for protection, or is this a place we need protection from? Today, the psalmist cries out and says... Yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, y'all. It's going to be one of those sermons today. Ooh. Today, the psalmist cries out and says, I lift my eyes towards the mountain, where does my help come from? And it doesn't take him but a second to answer. Truly, that our help comes from the Lord. Let's pray together and let's read this song. Father God, I thank You so much for Your Word today. We are here to know it. We're here to trust it. We're here to believe it. We're here to know it in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that You would fill us with Your Word and give us the strength to trust You rightly. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The 121st Psalm, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. As we said when we began last week reading through the psalm of ascents, starting with Psalm 120 and going on to Psalm 134, we have these very short little psalms, and they're all put together here on purpose. They're called the Psalms of Ascent. That is the ones that you sing when you're going up to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. These songs are a festival songs. This album is the album you listen to as you're riding along to go and worship the Lord. And as you would have been in Israel going up from your small hometown and community wherever on pilgrimage to go to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem to worship, you would have been passing through a lot of mountainous areas. And you might have looked around at the mountains and thought, if on our journey disaster strikes, where are we going to find protection? You might look to the cliffs and the crags and the mountains and think to yourself, Gee, that looks like a good place to go and be protected from trouble. But you might also, in going through a mountain pass, see those crags and think, that might also be a good place for an ambush. What is it about the mountains? To look for them for protection, for strength? Or are we, as we look to them, going to find trouble and dismay? Could be either. On the journey that we walk on, following Christ with our lives, things that look strong and reliable and protective sometimes disappear from our lives. Other things turn out bad when we thought they were going to be good. But in all things, no matter what comes, we answer the question, where does my help come from in the exact same way? whether things are going how you expected they were going, or things are going wildly different than you expected. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth, the Maker of everything. We don't look to the mountains for strength. We look to the Lord. You might recall the classic 1984 movie, Red Dawn, where a bunch of high schoolers go into the mountains to defend America from the enemies who are coming, the Russians who are invading. This movie was awfully influential in my life because this was my daydream throughout high school, frequently, was uh, what happens if they invade and we have to flee to the mountains. And there's a great scene in this movie where they're talking, this group of students have gone up into the hills, and he says, we know how to hunt, we know how to fish, we know how to make shelter, we can stay up in here in the mountains and protect ourselves for Forever. And another one goes, how long can we stay here? And then the Russian jet flies over and he says, long enough till we don't hear that anymore. Classic scene in a classic movie from 1984, the year I was born, actually, if you were looking to feel old this morning. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No charge for that one. Likewise, this psalm is set to remind the person who is singing it, the person who is on their day to festival worship as we're on our way to homecoming today. It's to remind the person singing it of how the Lord has been the protection and the shelter of them all of their lives and through all generations. This psalm ought to make you think of the times when God was protective in Scripture as it would make this person remember all the times that God was there and that God was present no matter what. This passage might make you think of Revelation chapter 6, where the judgment of the Lord is poured out upon all of His enemies, and there's no fleeing from it on that day. All people who chose to do evil and set themselves against God are experiencing His wrath unsealed and poured out on them, and Scripture says, they run to the mountains. And they cry out to the mountains, please fall down and cover us from the judgment of the Lord. But you and I, that's not for us. We worship the Lord, the creator of all the heavens and the earth, of everything. Who will protect us on the day of trouble? The Lord Himself will. Listen, life is dangerous there is no safer place for you than in the hands of God. And for the one who trusts in Jesus as Lord, to have offered yourself to Him and said, you know what, Jesus, you're going to be the boss, you're my Lord, then you have placed yourself into His hands. The news is not good these days. Arguably, it's never been particularly good. But it feels like every time you, you look into the news, You see these ever-present existential crises that are all around us. Shorelines are dwindling away, and that's a little terrifying. There's a virus you might have heard about going on in the world. There's all kinds of just rough political division in America. And then outside of America, as existential crises go... There are evil regimes leading enemy nations who want to see bad for our country and people around us. I mean, can you think of anything else? You want to put anything else on the list? Life is dangerous. But our help comes from the Lord. As we journey towards his kingdom in our life, we can look around likewise looking at the mountains, surveying what could be difficult and surveying what could be protective, but knowing in all things that it is the Lord who protects us, the Maker of heaven and earth. And then you'll notice as you read this psalm, after those first two verses, first, the psalmist is singing to himself. First, whoever is singing this as they're going on the road is saying, I look to the mountains, where's my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. But then He turns, and the rest of it is singing to the other people going along with Him. you got to imagine a man or a woman singing this song with their children and explaining this song to their children, to, the, to anyone else who is with them, who is traveling along for the first time to go and worship God. Because now it turns and He sings over them. He says, listen, the Lord, He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. He says, this God of ours doesn't need rest. He's never far away from us. Does this make you think about any of the stories in the Old Testament? Does this awaken in your mind ideas of other times when God was always present? Because it should. This might make you think of 1 Kings chapter 18. When the prophet Elijah goes into a competition against the prophets of Baal, Elijah builds his altar, and the prophets of Baal build their altar, and they sing, and they dance, and they chant, and they yell, and they go crazy, and nothing happens. The challenge is whose sacrifice will be accepted by their God, and their sacrifice just sits on the stone altar that they made attracting flies. And Elijah cries out to the prophets of Baal and say maybe chant louder maybe he's asleep your god maybe he's indisposed and the prophets of Baal chant all the louder and this isn't just this isn't just a one time thing this was a part of Baal worship So the reason why the people of the land worshiped Baal, he was a fertility god, and that's what they needed. If you're either a farmer and you need your crops to be fertile, or you're uh, a rancher and you need your cattle, your sheep, your pigs to be fertile, then come the spring, you're praying to whoever or whatever you can that all of this would grow and do well. And Baal worshiped involved this myth and this idea that Baal went to sleep throughout the winter, and their worship involved waking him up in the spring so that he would come back and accept all their sacrifices and make everything fertile so they could eat for the rest of the year. Well, Elijah knew a God who did not sleep or slumber. So, Elijah, he takes his altar, he pours water over it over and over again, and then he simply says a quiet prayer to the Lord… And the Lord rains fire down out of heaven immediately, not only taking up the sacrifice, but the altar, all the water, and everything else. Listen, I'm telling you, our God, He doesn't sleep or slumber. He's never far away. This is the same question in the book of Esther. The people of Israel are in exile. God has sent them off in punishment to be slaves of other nations in Assyria and Babylon. And the question for the book of Esther is, has God forsaken us completely? Because an enemy, Haman, wants to rise up and see all of Israelites destroyed and killed completely. But by the power of God and through the witness of Esther and Mordecai, God turns the tables all by Himself entirely on the enemies of His people. And the answer to the book of Esther is clearly the Lord is still with Israel no matter what. The same thing happens in Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel worships and prays to his God alone. He is thrown into a den of lions for it. And all night long, the foreign king who cares dearly about Daniel is grieved over this. But that king goes to the pit in the morning, and what does he find? He finds that Daniel worships a God who does not sleep or slumber, but is always there to protect his people, and Daniel is just fine. You and I have times in our lives when we worry or we feel or we fear that God is far away from us. Perhaps this is the best application of this for each of us. You know God doesn't sleep, but there are times in your life where you just worry or you feel like God may be far away from you. I'm here to tell you, this God of ours that we worship, He is never far away. He does not forsake those who follow Him. He does not create distance. He does not leave us, but is with us always. I feel like God is far away. We feel a lot of things, and feelings, they come and go. What I'm here to tell you today is that you can believe. No matter what you feel, feeling good, feeling bad, feeling like God's near, feeling like God's far, this God is with us always. We, we don't live by feel, we live by faith. And we know that this God is near. He does not sleep nor slumber. He will not let your foot slip. Verse 5 and 6 The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day. The moon will not strike you by night. Which is more terrifying? Which is more difficult? To not have shade during the day or to not have a roof over your head at night? I mean, we're still coming off of the summer right now, and so it sounds okay to maybe sleep under the stars now that it's cooling off at night. But you don't want to be exposed at all times like this. And the psalmist cries out, you know… We've got a nice house at home. We've got a nice tent while we're traveling along the road to Jerusalem. But really, our shelter is the Lord Himself. He's the one who provides for us the entire time. Now, think back into the Old Testament. Is this true? Can you recall when the Lord was the provider and the shelter for His people? You might remember the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 16 and 21. She's treated poorly. She's treated as a slave. She is one. She is handed off by Sarah to Abraham to give birth to a child for Sarah and Abraham. She is done wrong. And then, when she is pregnant with child, she is treated poorly by Sarah and cast out And grieved for her life, she cries out to God, and the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, don't worry, I'm your shelter. I'm the one who's going to provide for you and for the child and for all of his descendants. And Hagar, the slave woman, is provided for by this God. And she, the first person in Scripture, to give him a name. This isn't just any God. This is the God who sees. Hagar says, can it be that the God who sees, sees me? And in fact, he does see her. In Genesis chapter 21, she and the boy Ishmael are sent off and they have gone out into the desert to die. She leaves the boy, they're out of water, so she leaves him in the shelter, the shade of a bush, and goes to walk away from him so that she doesn't have to watch him die. And then God appears again and says, Hagar, didn't I tell you I was going to provide for the boy, and I was going to provide for you? Her eyes are opened. There is a well of water right there, and God preserves their lives and fulfills everything that He promises. He is the shelter to them in the desert. You know, even more poignantly for you and I, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is crying out over Jerusalem. Jesus, God Himself, who brought Jerusalem all the Israelites out of Egypt, who gave them a nation, who came now to save them and draw them all to Him. And as He arrives at Jerusalem, all there is is rejection of Him. And what does this God cry out over Jerusalem? Cursed are all of you. That's it. I'm here for, I'm here for judgment now, if you're going to reject me. No. What does this God cry out over Jerusalem? Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus, rejected by all of them, cries out and says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone to death, all those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather you together like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not listen. You would not come. This powerful passage, Jesus describes Himself as a mother hen I wanted to provide shelter. I wanted you to gather underneath my wings night and day. I would have taken you any time, and I have cried out again and again to come. I will be your shelter. But they would not listen. Let it not be so for us. In this life, you will have difficulties. But Christ is still calling out like this to all of His people to all people everywhere, saying, Who will come and take shelter under My wings? There is space for you as well. And I'm here to proclaim to you today that the Lord will protect you. He will be your shelter. The sun will not strike you by day, and the moon will not strike you by night. Verses 7 and 8. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going both now and forevermore. The Lord is not asleep, He is awake. The Lord will provide the shelter that we need, and finally, He will be the defense that we need. The Lord is your protector. Go ahead and think about it. Is that true? If these Israelites were walking along to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, singing the song, and their children asked them, is it true Did the Lord protect you, what stories could they share with their kids to tell them about how, yes, it was the Lord who protected us? If it was me, I would tell the children that day about Exodus chapter 14, where God parts the Red Sea for them. I mean, over and over again in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of stories about God being the one who fights for His people. One that's very poignant to me is crossing the Red Sea. These people are essentially still slaves; they have just been emancipated. They're going; they don't have weapons. Uh, They don't have anything, and the largest army they've ever seen—the Egyptian army—is pursuing them to come and take them back into slavery. They've got nothing but sandals. But Moses raises his staff, the Red Sea parts in half, and they walk by, not in the mud, but on dry land. And as soon as they're across, as the Egyptian army is in pursuit, the sea closes up and swallows up all of them. The Lord will protect you. What do you trust in? What army? What strength do you have? What weapon? Are you relying on? The Lord will protect us. Even more powerfully and perhaps overlooked is an interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 19, where the Assyrian army is starting to come into the northern kingdom and take over everything. This powerful Assyrian king, Sennacherib, He comes and he takes all the fortified cities over and he gathers up his massive army around Jerusalem and King Hezekiah, the king of Israel, is terrified. He knows he can do nothing. They have no more strongholds. They have no more soldiers. They have no more fortified areas. So what can King Hezekiah do? The only thing that he can do is throw himself at the mercy of God. And so he does. He calls out to the prophet Isaiah, And he says, go to God for us. And he himself, King Hezekiah, goes to the temple and throws himself on the ground before his God and begs for mercy and protection. And this great arrogant king, King Sennacherib of Assyria, comes with all of his armies right outside of Jerusalem to take over. And that night, while the encampment's happening, I mean more people in the army encamping outside of Jerusalem than there are in Jerusalem. This is not really a battle. It's just going to be over with immediately at sunrise. Scripture says, very simply, that God hears and God makes a decision to protect Israel. And that night, the angel of death goes through the camp of the Assyrians and 185,000 people die. The Assyrians wake up and all these soldiers are just gone. There was no battle. There was no fight. They thought there wasn't going to be a battle because they were just going to take over easily. But this God, without a single Israelite to help Him, destroys the enemy, and who are left quietly pack up their bags and go home in terror because the Lord is the one who protects His people. I tell you, if the Lord is the one who protected His people through the Red Sea, through Jericho, against every kind of enemy since then… It is the same Lord who will protect us as well. Finally, as I was talking about this passage last Sunday with some friends here at the church, one of them brought up a really good point. And one of our members and friends said, You know, what about those times when God's protection doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like? What about those times in my life when I have actually suffered? And God's protection didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. Well, first of all, God's protection often doesn't look like what you think it will look like. And if that happens to you, then you'll find yourself in good company with Mary and Martha from Scripture. Their brother Lazarus is dying. Jesus hears about it, knows about it, and tells the disciples, Lazarus is going to die and we're intentionally not going to go in time. After he's passed, two days later, Jesus and his disciples arrive, and Mary and Martha, who dearly love their brother and dearly love Christ, both in turn come to Jesus and they say, If you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. They're saying exactly the same thing. Why doesn't the protection of God look like what I think it will look like? And what does Jesus say? says, Lazarus will live. And He goes over to the grave, and He raises him from the dead. Mary and Martha's faith in Him are confirmed. They see their brother rise, and the power of God on display. And we get a powerful answer, all of us who wonder sometimes why the protection of our God doesn't look like we think it ought to, or why things are still difficult. After all, we know that Christ is risen, yes? Yes? But His enemies are still in the world. Evil is still in the world. And so we suffer evil at times in our lives. Why and how? The answer comes to us in 1 Corinthians. Paul says of the resurrection of the dead this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our own proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith, if Christ hasn't been raised. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified wrongly about God that He raised up Jesus Christ whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, your sins are not forgiven. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for only this life, well, we should be pitied more than anyone. But, but, as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. As it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Just as in Adam all have died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterwards at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when He hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when He abolishes, All rule, all authority, all power, for He must reign until He puts all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. See, you say, you read Psalm 121 and you say, why why does it seem sometimes like God is not protecting us? After all, our dear friends who we love who have died and gone on to be with the Lord, this doesn't look like protection. Protection. But I have great news for you today. Jesus Christ is not dead. He is alive. The last enemy to be defeated is death, and death has been defeated already by Christ. Christ, the first fruits. that He is risen, it means your sins are forgiven. It means your faith is assured. It means your life in Christ is not just this life, but that eternal life as well. It means if Christ rose, then he's the one who holds the keys to death. And he has said when he returns, that all the rest of them will rise as well. And it is because he has conquered all enemies, including the enemy of death, that we can say these words I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. It is because he has risen I can say these words to you today. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel, he does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Let us rejoice that Jesus Christ is risen today. Father God, all of our celebration, and this is our day for celebration, comes because we know You're alive. When we sit down and eat at the table today, We will simply be thinking about the day of your return when we sit at the table and you serve the meal, when we are united, not just this body coming together in homecoming, but all believers and all the saints of all time gathering for the proper homecoming in Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate because we know that day is assured. So let us celebrate indeed let us worship in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.